Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello everyone. On today's show, I'm joined by Ricky Hall, groom and work rider to this year's Cartier Horse of the Year by Eid. Thanks for joining me on The Paddock and the Pavilion, Ricky. Oh, no bother. How are you? Yeah, very well. Oh, boy, he actually also was the champion older horse. So he got two awards, not just the one. Yeah, yeah, we were spoiled for it, I think. And um, you've just come back from a break, I think, haven't you? Have you had a long season? Um, had little time off because of Bayes racing. So, uh, yeah, I had a break once he'd finished. Um, we went up to see my other half's family. Just got back. And your fiance's just had a little girl, I think. Is that right? Yeah, we've got a five-month-old girl who doesn't like sleeping very much <laughs> well all your early mornings uh, at uh, the yard you you can't have had much sleep during the summer yeah no it's it's been pretty hectic uh a lot of learning um outside the yard and then doing what i know how to do when i go to work so well, i'm sure you're learning how to change nappies and that sort of thing as well yeah that's it but i'd, I'd like to start by asking you how sad you were when Baid headed off to stud on as you say halloween yeah it was it was bittersweet really it was the end of a a long run with him i drove all the way back from cumbria to see him off uh, and then drove back up there so I, I i was knackered by the time i got here but it's well worth being there for the send off everyone that was involved was there to see him go as well so that was nice to see him all turn out you got a good send-off then? Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone everyone that's had anything to do with him was there to see him off and all of Shadwell's team were there to welcome him when he got there. So he was spoiled for it, really. I wanted to start by talking about your own background. How did you start yourself in racing? Well, my, my brother was a conditional jockey for a little while um, and I used to go and ride out in my summer holidays uh, for Andy Tunnell 
And then I decided I didn't want to work in racing and went off to college for two years doing photography and journalism. And <laughs> then decided to pack that in and go back into racing and ended up at Luca Grani's. Um I mean, I've ridden horses my whole life and it seems sort of the easy option, if I'm honest. Well, that's why you're so good on these uh, interviews and podcasts. And if you wanted to do, go into journalism, then. Uh, I, I've had I've had a bit of practice the last two years, I suppose. You said you worked at Luca Kamani's. How different was it working there to to working at um, where you are now at William Haggis's? Um, it was it was a different environment to be. Sort of, he was towards the end of his career. I mean, he had he still had horses like Presvis and uh, Postponed and things like that when I was there, but he'd gone over the peak of his career and he was going down. I was there for 10 years, so I was there for a, a good while, but very, very professional and taught me an awful lot. I wouldn't be where I am now without having been there. Well, then moving on to working at um, William Haggis's, how did you come to look after Bayeed? Uh, well, I'd, I'd been there, what, probably two years, I think when he arrived in the yard, maybe a year and a half, not even that long. And as a yearling, he was down in our other yard and everyone sort of does them then. And when he moved up to main yard, uh, one of my good friends actually looked after him for, for a bit when he was in main yard. And uh, after he started winning, he said, I think you should look after him. You ride him every day. So and you take him to the races. Yeah, I think you should be doing them every every day. And so that's that's when I took over. Um, well, that was a good good favour he did there, didn't he? Yeah, he was the lad that I'd known growing up. I was sort of I was in pony club with him. It's just so happened that we've ended up working in the same place. And yeah, I, I owe him an awful lot. He was the, a true gentleman about it. And some of the lads would have kicked up a quite fuss it was before we knew quite how good he was to be fair i imagine if he won a couple of group ones he uh he might have been different about it <laughs> at the time we must give this this uh man a name who was that uh harry thorpe codman he's actually left our yard now he's uh assistant for richard spencer well he, he deserves a good shout out doesn't he so yeah uh... yeah he's I've tried mentioning him in most interviews. So, <laughs> so as a two-year-old, Bailly didn't run. Did he pick so, up an injury? Why did he not run as a two-year-old? He was. He took a long time to come to fruition. He wasn't an early sort. He hadn't shown an awful lot as a two-year-old. Um, it just looked like he needed time. Uh, and I think he he never had an injury. He just had sort of little niggling problems, sort of things like he it just knock himself in the box or something like that. And just little things that took him time to get going again. And because of all the little breaks, it then adds up to you not running them. But we were in no rush with him. He, he was always going to take a bit of time. and He's proven that he's got better with time. And what was the horse like as his temperament? I've had two friends of mine, Heather and Sam, have asked the same question and wanted to know what he was like to look after. Uh, he's a true gentleman he he's never given us any issues uh to deal with on the ground he's he's you wouldn't think he was a cult 
he just he he's very respectful of everyone and he he loves attention really you think he's a big old gelding that had been in the game for sort of 10 years and you forget he's he's only four and he he's off to be a stallion now and when did you realize that he was going to be something special uh, because I, I mean he didn't make his debut until 7th June. of June 2021 at Leicester yeah, at Leicester, where he fell out the stalls and came past everything in about half a furlong at the end of the race. But I, we didn't really know he was going to be a superstar. I think the penny started to drop at the listed race he had at Newmarket. I think it was his third run. When he won that, they, they were decent horses and he he went past them like they were nothing. And I think he won by seven lengths on the day. Um, and we really thought uh, we might have one here, but took a bit of time to confirm it. And did you always go with him on race days where you always leading him up? Uh, Leicester was the only day I didn't. At the time I was doing travelling for Haggis. So I was actually driving the box to Pontefract on that day. Um, and then from then on, I, I said to them, look, I think I'll, I'll, go, I'll go with the horse instead of going racing elsewhere. He needs sort of a calming hand at the races. He can He could get a little bit on edge uh, early in his career but once once he was there and settled he was fine it's just I think it took him some time to learn what he was doing and what was your relationship with Jim Crowley the jockey who who rode him in the majority of his races yeah very good he picked up the ride uh on his third start uh Dane O'Neill rode him for the first two Jim has been a pleasure to be with when he's been at the races he's come in to ride and work occasionally and he's never given us anything to worry about on him he's um yeah he's shadwell stable jockey and he, i mean he's been champion jockey you can't really complain about him he, he's he did a very good job on that horse and there's, he's never steered us wrong yet another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And entering 2022, this year, it won six out of six. What did you think that Baid would achieve in you know, this season? Uh, I mean, I thought the first run of the year, I thought that was probably the most likely we were to get beat because he was coming out of a long break. Uh, it was in the lockinge. And I mean, you don't know if they've trained on from three to four. You don't know if he's got any better or if he's still as good as he was. And we went into that. And once we won that, I was fairly comfortable that we'd win anything over a mile. It was just a question of whether or not we could step up later in the year. And what was the buzz like in the yard each time he was ready to run? Yeah, I mean, just everyone it's given everybody a lift. So we've had a couple of pretty dismal years with COVID and things, and him being in the yard and having that stable start to get behind has given everybody a lift completely. I think it's it's not just people in the yard, it's the crowds and everyone, they're, 
because they haven't been on the race courses for a while when they're getting back they've got someone something to get behind and i i think it's given everybody a lift yes going to royal ascot this year must have been so different from you know the two previous years yeah that's it is it's i mean he hadn't ran in front of a crowd for a, a while like he he'd he hadn't had that atmosphere and then this year he's had everything and it's been it's been brilliant and you mentioned about Baid moving up in distance. Were you confident that he would stay the extra two furlongs when he ran in the Judmont at York? Yeah, I I think we were confident he'd stay the trip. We knew we needed good ground for it because it's, it, it would have been testing otherwise to ask him to do more on worse ground. And I think he did, well, he proved us proved us very right I, early in his career I actually thought he wanted more than a mile before he ran first time I thought he needed further um when he was a yearling I didn't think he was a particularly fast horse um and he proved me wrong completely and then in the Judmont proved me right that he the trip seemed to suit him absolutely perfectly he he did it very, very well. He looks probably a better horse for going the extra two and a half furlongs. And what are you like as a watcher? Where do you watch from? Are you nervous? Uh, I, uh, Yeah, every single race I've got very nervous. I think York was probably the first time I watched the whole race life. All the others, I I wouldn't watch them. I'd, I'd, be stood, I'd be stood in the stands probably facing the other way. And you could tell from the crowd if he was winning because... It was a it was a spectacle to see when he came past horses. It was it was incredible. And after winning at York, there was lots of chat then about whether he'd run in the uh, Irish Champion Stakes, whether he'd run in the Arc. What were your thoughts on those two races? Uh, I would have liked to go to Ireland. I think we would have got quite good ground in Ireland. Um, we ended up sending Alan Kerr to Ireland instead, uh, and we. We swerved it, and then it was possibility of the arc. But the arc was always going to be heavy ground and horrible. If we if we knew we'd get good ground in, at the arc, I would have been happy for him to go there. I think, I think on good ground he would have stayed a mile and a half, and he probably would have had a good shot at being up there at the end of it. Anyway, we have to talk about the champion states when Baid came fourth. Uh... Why do you think he lost on that day? Did he feel any different when you were walking him he, around? No, I we can't say there was anything wrong with him. He I think he was he turned up and he just couldn't quicken through what turned out to be probably a bit worse than soft ground. It was it had been raining all night the night before and it had been cut up. We were what the last well, second last race of the day. So the ground wasn't great. I mean, it had been cut up by the races before. You'd had the sprinters going up the straight track as well. And I think the ground just did him out of it. And when you look at what finished in front of him, there are three stayers. I mean, there are three mile and a half horses. My Prospero that we've got, he'll be better over a mile and a half. Baybridge, brilliant horse over a mile and a half. And you've got a derby winner. We knew that... We wanted better ground, but 
there was nothing we could do about it. And he had to finish his career somewhere, and that was the obvious place. Must have been disappointing for the yard, though, on the day. Uh, yeah, a, a huge disappointment, but it's horse racing, isn't it? You know, can't win them all, we, no matter how much you try. We uh, we went into it with very high hopes, and it was quite a quiet trip home. <laughs> but, yeah, you have to, we had to roll the dice and see if we could do it, and he just, he just didn't have the turn of foot on that ground. Um, I wouldn't have minded seeing him go to America, if I'm honest, for the Breeders' Cup mile. I think once the once the unbeaten record had gone, I don't think there would have been a whole lot to lose in going. But at the same time, there wasn't a massive amount to gain if you did win over there. And we mentioned it earlier. What's all this media coverage been like for you when you've got Matt Chapman putting the, the microphone underneath your nose? Yeah, I mean, it's it's part of part of it, isn't it? It's, it's been a bit of a whirlwind year. It's there's been been a lot to do. I've definitely been busier uh, this year than I've I think I've ever been in my life. Um, but it's something that comes with having a good horse, and not everyone gets to experience that. And I mean, I wish they could. If they could, we wouldn't have any staffing problems in racing. We'd we'd be very well off for staff, and because if you could give this to everybody, anyway, everyone in the world would want to do it. And every horse can't be like Bayeed, winning 10 out of 11, six group ones, rated 135. I read the highest turf rated horse for a decade. Yeah. Um, yeah. Highest rated, high, highest turf rated horse in the world. Um, they they managed to put that in because flight line only runs on the dirt, luckily. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, he's, he's one of a kind, isn't he? He's... I don't think we're going to find another one in a hurry. We'd, we'd love to. I mean, we'd love to have sort of 10 of them in the yard and everyone would be laughing. And will, will you go and visit him at Stud? Uh, yeah, I've, I've been told that anytime I want to go down there, just let them know and they're happy to accommodate me. Um, but I'll definitely go and visit him. It's only up the road. It's over at Thetford, so it's not far. Um I, I mean, it'd be nice to see him just turned out in a paddock. He hasn't been out of our yard other than race, other than racing for two years. So he's uh, he's had a long stint in, and he deserves the break. Really, you must have got used to him being the first horse you looked at every day. Yeah, he, I mean, he's he's been my best friend for the last two years. So I've I've been in there first thing, first horse I've seen every day, and the last horse I see in the evening before I go home and. It's strange walking in and seeing there's someone else in his box already. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, it is odd not seeing him. But, I mean, hopefully he has a, a great career at Stud. Well, thank you very much for sharing your time working with, uh, as you say, the, the best turf horse in the world. Uh, I must also thank Kelvin Fable, a friend of mine who knows you, who... Uh, introduce me to you to get you to come on the podcast yeah yeah no it's it's been a pleasure thank you very much thank you for listening to the paddock and the pavilion you can download the show on apple Podcasts, amazon music soundcloud stitcher and spotify follow us on twitter facebook and instagram at the pad and pad don't forget if you like the show please do leave us a rating and review Sports Social Podcast Network.